You ready? Yep. How about you? Yep. Start it up. Podcasting from beautiful East Tennessee and brought to you by BRV Studios, this is Have You Heard, our show that brings up random news and crazy events and a lot of other topics you've probably never heard of. For instance, have you heard about the tumbleweed invasion in parts of California? Or how about the team with the worst prom proposal ever? What about the Southeast Asian exploding ant? Yes, you heard me. We cover this and a whole lot more. Here is episode 44 from the Big Red Van. Uh, here we are, episode, what is this, 44, H-Y-H. Quarantine, 44, crazy, 44, it is the 23rd of April, this year of our Lord, 2018, <laughs> and we're bringing you H-Y-H, technically season two, if you want to, you know, be that yeah, guy yeah, yeah. about it, you know? Yeah. This can be yeah. se- season two of the van. Yeah, season two. Season two, because we were going back and we were reviewing season one, you know? We're kind of <laughs> going back and talking about it episode by episode, kind of matching them up. Uh, last week, we talked a little bit about episode one, because it was our most played episode mm-hmm. by far. I mean, maybe it's because people want to, you know, like those Japanese people that we were talking about, <laughs> probably were, it was a school assignment, research a terrible... Poorly rated American <laughs> podcast and listen to it. And they probably just all listened to episode one. And then that was it. Wrote their essay on it. And then that was done. At least they got a good story. So here we are. We're going to review episode two today before we get into our uh, lead in and our HYH episode. But episode two. Do you remember episode two, Hayden? Yeah, I would uh, be remiss if I didn't th- say that my favorite part was my wife coming on the show. You better say that. Exactly. <clears throat> it was really awesome. Our very first guest to speak on this these microphones in this studio was your wife. That's right. How and cool she came that? to talk about a cool thing. It was uh, about that uh, Sesame Street character that had... Um, autism and um it was like super cool like how they were talking about how they were trying to teach kids how kids with autism they're not that different they just play a little different and they see things a little different but they're just fine they're the normal you know and it was just a really cool way of like teaching kids via sesame street about autism which not many other cartoons or tv shows are doing the amount well and the amount of things that sesame street already teaches is a pretty cool message for them to include into that stuff and it being very close to your wife her working with that for her profession she talked about that Mm -hmm. she talked about kind of what it meant to her um the teachings and the learnings that she had you know coming up through her adolescence through college to now in adulthood and her experiences with it versus her learnings and And yet now working in the field for eight years now right Uh, it was it was really neat for us very young podcast to be able to bring that kind of message out on the as our first guest i thought it was really cool oh yeah i was excited about it Mm -hmm. when we told her all right you're gonna be our guest and she said this is what she was going to talk about that sesame street episode uh character i can't think of the name of off the top of my head i know right but shows how greatly prepared we are but (laughs) it was it was cool it was like okay this is this is an awesome message that we're going to be able to put out there whether or not anybody hears it and it is our like our second most played episode i think it is yeah um as episode two and it's really cool and then my brother was also (laughs) our second guest he was guest guest part two guest part two and uh he stayed for the story time part of it that's what i remember because of the way that he told his stories of 
throwing his shoe at the TSA person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that was trying to, you know, search him extra, I think it was. And then uh, getting extra liquor bottles while he was freaking out on a, on a flight. Like, come on, man. Just just go ahead and give me some more. <clears throat> this guy's slipping him extra liquor bottles just so that he's not a flight risk. That was good stuff. <laughs> Episode two, my brother became full redneck. And that was, that was very, very fun. He's not the most outgoing person, but <clears throat> you wouldn't be able to tell if listening to that episode. He was a great guest, and that was fun. So uh, go back and listen to episode two. You had a van top about... Bill Nye, Bill Nye, the science guy. Yeah, Bill Nye saves the world. What, what, what's funny is I think we were talking about his new show that had just came out on Netflix, and now there's already the second season of it. So right, kind of we st- we launched it the right around the same I time mean, they did. His success was because of us. So let's just be honest. We helped. We gave him at least one viewer. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. And I, what did I talk about? Uh, oh, that movie on Netflix. Also, it the was seven five seven five. That crooked cop. Yeah, in New York. That crazy story. Like that crazy cr- crooked. That crazy, dude was crazy am- crazy amazingly crooked. And Hardcore. Pretty opportunist. Wasn't he the one that just like straight up? Just pulls the gangster over, puts the gun to his face. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. take he's the like, hit off of me. Here I am. Yeah. Yeah, because the gangster had a hit out on his life. Yeah. And he, you know, caught up to him <laughs> and was, that was it. So, <laughs> called the hit off. Yeah. But bad, bad man. In a uniform. Yeah. So, go back and listen to episode two. It's a whole lot of fun. And it's going to give you a little bit of introduction before we got real microphones, before we got real equipment, and we were actually prepared to bring content to people weekly. Mm -hmm. From three on, we were like clockwork. Oh, yeah. You know, cranking these things out. They were three parts, and it was a whole lot of fun after that. We ended up teaching some people some stuff. And so go back and listen to two. It was very much a fun time, and you'll get to know where we came from a little bit. So what's our lead-in talk today? Uh, well, like I said, we, sometimes we talk before the show. We're like, what are some titles of things that you're going to talk about we'll tonight? throw it around. Yeah, yeah, like, just so that we're, we're not copying each other. Then, of course, the conversation. Well, hell, that happened as recent as Decent at Best. Me oh, and yeah. Garrett both had yes. the same story to bring, yeah. So, <laughs> we are a little bit smart in the sense that we like to talk about what we're going to bring before the show. And so, you were like, hey, did you see about the fajita guy? Follow up. Follow up. So I figured that'd be a great thing to start with. Let's just talk about that. Okay. So I didn't read it. Do you so. remember Gilberto Escamilla? Gilberto. Gilberto Escamilla. I remember Gilberto. He was the guy from, and I forgot to look at what episode, but we talked back. It's been a while. It's been many episodes. Stealing fajitas. So when we last talked about him, uh, he was just being arrested and the trial had not occurred yet. So he had just got busted and it was in the news. Um, so he was found guilty and sentenced to 50 years. 50 years. 50. For stealing more than a million dollars worth in fajitas over the course of nine years. 50 years in prison. A million dollars worth of public funds, though. There's 50 years in prison? Yeah. No way. 50. Where Was this in New York? Is that right? Uh, No, it was in... New Mexico. Uh, Colorado. New Jersey. Conestoga. <laughs> Turkey. Uh, Florida. California. I don't know what state it was in. Okay. So Well, I gave a bunch of guesses. We talked about it in, the pre- in that episode. So go back and find it. <laughs> somewhere but, in there. Uh, it's somewhere back there. But, you know, basically a big recap was he got caught when an 800 pounds worth of fajita meat delivery turned up and he wasn't there to receive it. Excuse me, I got this fajita meat here for somebody. Uh, did you order any fajita meat? So he was caught 
because last August, when he took the day off to go to a medical appointment and the meat supplier called to confirm the order and he wasn't there to receive that phone call and they were like, yeah, we just want to make sure that you're going to be there for the for us to deliver your 880 pounds of fajita meat. And the employee who answered the phone was like, uh, we definitely don't serve fajitas here because this is a prison. And what are we going to do with 880 pounds of meat? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, they don't serve fajitas at the jail. Um, Sorry, they get slop. Yeah. So the supplier had been delivering the same order for nine years. And so that's when there was some confusion over the phone. They're like, We've, what do you mean you don't? Like, wait, wait, is there a new chef? And so that new of course, chef, new chef in the jail. Are, you know, aroused questions of like, well, what's going on here? Like, who normally gets this order? Can and I then, talk to this guy? Yeah. So he was fired the next day and admitted to the theft and was jailed for fifty years, man. So he's of course he's like it was selfish. It started small and it got bigger and bigger and out of control by the so end. So he pled guilty to this yeah. and then got the fifty years for it. That's what it said, man. Woo! I know. I'm sure it was probably like I mean they apparently the the reason it was such a high sentence was because of the how many dollars were involved and because it was of public funds stealing from the kids. Well, I mean I guess that's the thing like when you're stealing from the <laughs> if you're stealing government money, I guess your sentence is like They will. They'll nail your ass to the wall for sure. Like like hardcore sentences. Yeah. Like for especially stealing a million dollars from the government. But give me a break. I mean, but 800 pounds what was it? You said a week, a month. It just he got like a monthly uh, shipment, and he wasn't there for the monthly I shipment. But I remember us joking about him having like a side fajita service. That's basically what it was. Yeah. He would um, like in him. He had to have had a tortilla guy, you know, there, because he was he was only getting the meat from yeah. this, the prison food delivery. He probably had maybe he had a friend that owned a restaurant in the local area, and his job was to get the tortillas, and they had this like black market. Fajada <laughs> service. Uh, I mean, like the district attorney Peter Gilman, he of Cameron County, he said that the the sentence would send a very strong message to the employees of the county of the seriousness of stealing from public funds. So hell yeah, fifty years. Could you imagine if if Gilberto that works down the hall got sentenced to fifty years because you found out he stole some fajita meat? You're like, oh my god, I'm not stealing another pencil from this okay, place. But let's let's be clear, he didn't just steal some fajita meat. No, <laughs> and this was going on for four years. I remember uh, it said nine nine years. Nine year. Okay, yeah. yeah, unchecked, a million dollars worth of meat. Un- Dude, oversight. Put in some <laughs> oversight, and then you don't got to send us a man to 50 years in prison where taxpayer money has to pay for him to be there for stealing fajita meat. So, well, let, let's do a real one, though. Okay. I know that one felt like a real one, but let's do a real one. No, but we had to have update. We of love, course. We love a good update. Of course. So go back and listen to episode two, and then go back and find the episode where we talk about fajita It was meat. last August, so just look at the dates. It's somewhere in there. Somewhere. Everybody, have you heard? So back in 2012, a man from the Bronx was accused of using super glue to thwart the the parking meters. Do you remember when this happened? Some dude like I, no, destroyed I like something about parking hundreds meters, and but... hundreds of parking meters were destroyed by this guy that was just walking around with tubes of super glue, just squirting them into the lock uh, to the coin slots of uh, parking meters, like destroying them as a protest, basically of like them raising the rates of the meters. Okay. Another dude in Chicago did the same thing with uh, putting expanding foam in the, like, you know, like the foam insulation when you spray it, it like, expands yes. out. Yeah. Putting the little straw in there and be like, and just going one by one by one by one and doing that into all of them and ruining all of them. So, but now someone 
or some people, because um, obviously there's, it seems to be like more than one people, are vandalizing them again in St. Petersburg, Newfoundland, um, in Canada. Okay. At like an astonishingly staggering rate. Okay. The city has 1,167 parking machines. A thousand of them have been destroyed. So they're just like total annihilation of the parking Total meter. annihilation, like... Like, somehow they're getting away with it. Like, some people have been busted vandalizing them, but the weapon of choice is baseball bats, sledgehammers, and they basically just beat it until the top of it pops off, and then they take the innards. How do you let a 1,000 of your 1,067 fleet go <laughs> before you have someone watching them? And they go for about $500 a piece. Exactly. And they're it's not like they're out by themselves sitting on a street corner. Like, there are rows of them. So check this out. So it, that's the they've lost a 1,000 in the past four years. Okay. It's been going on since March 2015. 90 different attacks is what destroyed those 1,000. So that meant that everybody that's busting one up is at least busting up at an average of at least 10. Yes. That's what I mean. Like, <laughs> So God. that means there's probably a few dudes that only get a few, and then some people that are getting like 20 and 30. So it's not something that happens in five seconds. But You're taking a couple minutes to yeah. take it out with a baseball bat. Um, four people have been arrested um, over these four years, but of course a gross amount of them have not been captured, right? I mean, you don't get four people to knock over a thousand. But what's crazy is it's not. It's obviously not because of the money, because they almost all of them carry less than $15 a day. It's the principle. Yeah. Principalities it's, it's are about, involved. It's about, of course, it's a protest of like them, you know, the government can't tell me where I can park. That kind of thing. <laughs> the government. Yeah. How about the people that own that space? <laughs> it's the city of St. John's lost $1.5 million since 2015 in repairs and replacements of their parking meters. So they can keep the revenue of parking meters coming in. How much money have they lost? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm I wonder sure what they've had to raise the price on because of this. That these so-called activists don't mm-hmm. understand and realize when they do shit like this that you're doing this but what it, all they're doing is they're raising the money on some other form of the citizens mm-hmm. to pay for that now because of what you're doing so um the city is going to win in the end though of course so what they're going to do pay is to park are you kidding me I mean, break. So the so they're like, okay, you want to just smash all the machines? Okay, well now we're just going to make all the parking an app thing, where you have a code on the parking spot. You put it into the app where you're parked. You put in your license plate number and you pay on your phone, and that's how you pay for your parking. Right. So who are you going to smash? Your phone. What are you going to do? So that'll end that protest of destroying them and streamline and lower maintenance and everything else yeah i mean destroying the meter itself is not a way to negotiate something that you feel is more fair Mm -hmm. so let's say that they think that the per hour charge is too expensive so protest that and protest to try to negotiate one dollar get you four hours instead of one dollar get you two hours yeah you know i mean come on now some people just like to put that insulation stuff just find a hole I mean like squirt it talk in there about and... the ingenuity though They're like what's a really sneaky way that I can destroy all these machines and like and that foam insulation it's like in a WD-40 style looking can of course it is yeah. it even has the little straw attached to it where you can spray it into little holes man yeah and it just comes havoc. out and it just it's like a science project right in front of you yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
everybody have you heard? And so internet access for every person in the world has been a goal of many people, from famous people to rich people. Speaking of, from episode two, Bill Nye. That's what I talked about when I was talking about Bill Nye, is his mission statements of what he wants the Planetary Society to help promote. Fair internet access for all. Right, to remote towns, rural farmers. And I mean, the idea has been there for years, but it now seems to be getting much closer to a reality that rural India and China... The two most populated countries on the planet will be able to offer internet to the most remote villages in their own countries. That's a lot of people. So, although close in overall population numbers, India has far fewer citizens with access to the internet than China. With only around 391 million people have access to the internet, around 30% of their overall population, that has web surfing ability, setting the stage for a new frontier for internet service provider companies to plant their flags and rake in some serious, serious money. So, whether you expected this or not, here comes Amazon releasing an app simply called Internet, which is designed to help Indian consumers stay up with the news and, of course, their favorite sport, which is cricket. The app uses what's called a light browser, and it operates on 2 megabytes instead of 21 megabytes, which okay. is, would be a, no, a normal mobile browser, I suppose. Okay. <clears throat> okay? That makes sense to you? Um, Google uses... It's like a simplified version that uses less data. And it only has certain features. Exactly. You, so, can't, you can't view everything. Correct. There's no flash. There's Just no exactly other. what you and I were talking about off air, yeah. about the limited users for people in remote cities. We were mm-hmm. talking about this, and I yeah, didn't yeah. want to say, oh, I'm going to talk about that. But I'm all going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Google uses balloons to extend connectivity to rural areas across the world, and Facebook has a very similar platform called internet.org. Did you say balloons? Yeah, like quote-unquote balloons that they have positioned in the sky that aren't satellite height, but are more like 100,000, 200,000 feet that can, you know, shoot down internet connectivity to certain villages. Crazy. So we've talked about the floating malls in the sky before of Amazon. And Google is doing this with internet all over the world in third world countries. So they're, they're, Google's trying to lead lead that fight. But the Facebook thing I was talking about, internet.org, is operated much in the same way as Amazon's app with one major difference. Uh, Facebook's thing doesn't work in India due to some initial regulation decisions. So leaving the population of that, say, 1 billion plus people of the very hot market for internet service providers over the next couple years, right? So not only does this give cricket junkies their daily fix, but of course it gives Amazon an incredible footprint and an enormous market. They are currently fighting with guess who, but Walmart, to (laughs) acquire India's biggest e-commerce company. It's a thing called Flipkart in order to try to lock up in the majority of that population before China comes calling. Well, it doesn't. China's Alibaba. Of course. Of course it's Alibaba. So that's what I'm getting to. Amazon is trying to off, trying in a way to off set Alibaba, which is the Amazon of China, and they're doing the exact same thing in rural China. They're buying up any and all ISPs in remote areas in China in order to bring Alibaba to the homes to the full billion people there, just like Amazon's mission is to sell Amazon, bring Amazon Mm. to the home of everybody. There it is. I just, it took me a minute to catch, catch what you meant there. So Amazon is now so that they can make everyone a customer of Amazon, they're spreading their roots out to have more people that can have good internet so they can use Amazon. Thank you. 
Yes, you're listening. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what it is. And they both are doing this with the disguise of some quote-unquote social mission that they are on to better the planet. They're just trying to make sure they can sell. Because, you know, Walmart has to build a store somewhere to gain more customers, correct? Correct. Amazon has to build wires. Well, currently, Walmart owns that Straight Talk Wireless. They've been trying to make that bigger. So Walmart's really trying to get into the internet and ISP game. I don't know if they secretly or parent own any um, smaller internet service providers. Providers, like say Hughes.net or you know those ones mm-hmm. that you've heard of. I don't know if Walmart's in on any of those, but that's the future. I mean, you know, you know, we're talking about cable TVs going to the internet. Everything's going to whoever you get your internet from. Mm-hmm. So whoever you can provide the internet to, you put that influence on them. And if it's Amazon, Amazon just recently hit over one million, one hundred million Prime users, one hundred million subscribers to Prime, hundred million and times a hundred dollars a year. What is that? A billion. A billion dollars. And just that. Just in subscriptions. And just subscriptions. Not to mention the amount of money they make from web services. And the amount. Bezos just, uh, I think it's Bezos. I've been pronouncing it Bezos this whole time. I'm pretty I sure. Don't care. Either way, um, <laughs> he released this letter to shareholders and stuff recently. And it's pretty cool. It's like a six page letter where he talks about leadership and he talks about coaches and the best coaches in the industry doing these certain things. And it's, it's some, I highly recommend you reading it. Oh, man. It's, yeah. it's actually really cool. I would probably definitely enjoy that. It's one of those that you would expect from a very high-level billionaire that's very active in a lot of different things. When yeah, they write, he's a, one of those guys. When they write a, a letter to their that's people, that's a billionaire because he's involved in his business, not because he sits back and has people working for him. And he, yeah, he's trying to get involved in all parts. Oh, of it, he's from very, building the clock like in the mountain Musk. to yeah, like, just like Elon Musk. Speaking of Elon Musk, before I finish stage white, uh, he falls asleep on a couch in the Tesla laboratories, apparently, and then some of his Musk fans started a GoFundMe page to buy him a new couch so that he could, because he talks about falling asleep on this old ratty couch. <laughs> so some of his fans bought a billionaire couch and so that he could fall asleep on a oh, new couch in his, in his Tesla A lab. gift, a, a well-thought-out gift is still a well-thought-out how, co- how cool is that? Yeah. I mean, it was bought by like 900 people, so it was probably like five saying, like, bucks you know, a person. Yeah, but. like, but from Elon's point of view, like, hell, he could just, he could buy a hundred couches. Correct. But it's like... But people that But they're like, man, I really want to go to Mars. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm behind the idea of bringing the internet to all people. And I mean, but that and that there is a solid plan. Everybody gets access to the internet. But this is the stuff that we're talking about with all the net neutrality rules changing. When internet service providers can distribute and monitor the internet to the entire populations of countries, that's when a little of conflict of interest pops up. For sure. Especially when it's a company like Amazon, who's not only giving you their internet, they're monitoring what internet you get. They can uh, edit any internet that you get. So, And when they're the company that's also selling you all your goods, and they can take all Walmart ads off of the internet that you see, because that's what net neutrality rules have changed to, Mm -hmm. then... uh, that's where it's a race. It is an absolute race to. That's why I called it the new frontier. Mm-hmm. It is. It is literally like the Wild West gold rush, where people are trying to get to the rural China, rural India, even hell, rural America. They're trying to get to these spots in the country where tons and tons of people live that don't have internet. Four over four billion people don't have adequate daily internet access. That more, sounds about right. More, so it's about around 60, 65% of the world doesn't have it. So that's who they're trying to get to. That's what their focus is. And think when, about how much information we get from the internet constantly all the time and how out of the loop what you just, how many billions of people out of the loop are. Crazy as as out like, of the loop. As far as like 
things that are happening right now. You know what I mean? Like, if you feel like you're behind the times, you're not. Like, think about that person in that third world country that doesn't have internet. They just doing their thing every day, and they have no idea what's going going on. You know, the other parts of the world that could potentially be disastrous for them. You know, and stuff like that. Like, you know, there's a lot of people left out of the loop. And, Hell yeah! When simple access to the internet and news, and simple access to life saving information. But see, think about it, how unbiased that it won't be, you know, now that it's just that way. Amazon owning the Washington Post. Think about if if Amazon's giving a third world country their Internet, their news feed is going to be the Washington Post. If they're getting just Mm -hmm. of that limited two megabytes of light connection, because that's all that they can get to them. The one news site that they're going to get fed is the Washington Post. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of what I mean when it's going to be controllable. And the people in rural communities are generally the ones that uh, lack higher access to educate access to higher well, education. I mean. So they are going to be more easily controlled. And that's why it's scary to me. That's the one reason why Bill Nye wants uh, everyone access to the internet is because of basic information, like in the sense of like okay maybe you don't have a fancy school but you can at least pull up an encyclopedia on the internet and read about things and learn about things and it's all right there for you versus if you don't have the internet it's just like if you ain't got a school good nearby with good textbooks like did he ever talk about the or have you ever heard about the x01 that one little computer that was made by those mit graduates uh, it was like a little green tablet type of computer with a swivel head that was intended for third world countries it was called like the hundred dollar computer and it was basically that it was it ran off some like crazy network that was a my machine could power your the connection on your machine which could power the connection on someone else's machine so the connectivity got stronger by the more machines that were around us that were on kind of a thing it was a really uh, thing, it was a thing that was hard to manufacture. Anyway, it was that idea. It was getting free internet to the hundred million kids yeah, that I, didn't have it in South America or something. Because, I mean, if you don't have a textbook, because you don't have an adequate school, and you don't have access to internet, then how are you going to know anything about anything unless someone just already knows it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's no... You only know what you hear or what you've been told. Exactly. Like, you can't look it up yourself. Because mm-hmm. there's not a library that you can go to, or there's not a school, there's not textbooks, there's not... You know, you are you don't have access to that stuff. But if you could at least have access to the internet, then maybe you could be more enlightened to a lot of things. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think that... uh I feel more enlightened every day. I feel more enlightened every episode that we do because I like to look up stuff like this and then I look up more and more and more and I'm like, holy shit. Knowledge is power. Dude, as long as we do this, which I hope is a long time, we're going to keep learning every week. That's going to, whether it's we learn how stupid people are because of what they shove up their ass or because of other <laughs> stuff that we learn. But um, what. Love a good keister story. I, it's time for a break. It's definitely time for a break. We've got some more to do. But the thing I love about the discussion we just had. It leads into a couple more HYHs that we have coming up. Perfect. So there are a couple that are very much like that. So I want to call in the Decent at Best show. And if you haven't listened to the Decent at Best show, I strongly urge you to. They haven't called me back for my request to be a guest yet. So I'm I'm waiting on my invite. Uh, I'm I'm kidding. I keyed. Uh, But I want to ask them the question, and maybe they're listening. I want to ask them the question, what are the werewolves of London? Uh, (laughs) 
because is, werewolves and no, is it a guy that's actually doing all that stuff or is it a metaphor for something else i really want to know what are the werewolves of london that would be a great question to ask them go listen to them these guys are good Hey, how's it going, Big Red Van listeners? Uh, my name is Reese Kitts. I'm Garrett Faust. And uh, we're, we're a part of a little podcast called Decent at Best. And what Decent at Best is, is we're a podcast where we ask you guys to send us in questions at our at our email called uh, decentatbestshow at gmail.com. And whatever question you want to ask, you send it in to us and we'll answer it live on air. And we will answer them with answers that aren't great. We don't promise they'll be good. They probably won't be bad. They'll probably be around Decent at Best. Decent at Best pretty much sums up our show. We don't Google anything. Everything is all off the top. Off the, off the top of our head. So everything we answer is going to be completely first first impression, word association. So tune in to, the, to our episodes, and we appreciate it. See you guys there. Thank you. Everybody, have you heard? So a California city is under siege from tumbleweeds. So a Victorville... Oh, that's a, that's a pretty sound. I'm sorry. A California city, Victorville, which is located about 60 miles northeast of Los Angeles, has been has been invaded by tumbleweeds. Yes, like the like tumbleweeds from like your from, western from Tombstone. Oh yeah. So let me take this this uh, second to <laughs> give our uh, weekly After he graced you with the pouring sounds. Our weekly endorsement of uh, Cooper and Thief. Seller Masters, they uh, for three looking for that sponsorship. Three episodes in a row now. They have uh, unwillingly, unknowingly sponsored the Big Red Van Productions, <laughs> sponsored the content coming out of our mouths, and, and uh, going going into our mouths, going in and out. Yeah, yeah if, <laughs> on one occasion, it came on, out. <laughs> <laughs> just once. I'll try anything once. Um, this is some good stuff. I posted something on my personal Instagram about it. Uh, good stuff. Go out and try it. It's dark and jammy with toasty vanilla notes. That's what they say. <laughs> so, uh, uh, really good stuff. So anyway, you keep up. It's very nice. But anyway, so I was talking about, so the local news has, has footage showing the weeds tumbling down the street and stacking up against homes, forming literally a two-story mound that's blocking residents into their homes. So what exactly are tumbleweeds? Are they like, uh... Uprooted plants that just get blown, like bushes that just yeah. come. Basically, it's part of it's part of their. Um, I'm glad you asked this because I was going to go in further into what tumbleweeds actually are. Okay. Um. So, anyways, there that's their reproduction cycle. Actually, they just so pop up out of the they, ground. They they grow like plants do, and they get to a point where they start to produce seeds to reproduce as plants do, and then and then that's when they die essentially and snap off at the root and allow the wind to tumble them around until they eventually come to a spot. Then then the seeds that are still attached to this dried, dead plant eventually make their way to the ground, grow into a new bush, and then ultimately... So the process just keeps up, and they literally spread across the entire plane. Yes, that's exactly what happens. Wow. So that's why they were always a problem in the wild, wild west, like always, because they just re- per- were perpetually Not dropping seeds. Not always. Um, I didn't actually know this, but tumbleweeds are actually an invasive species. Go figure. Called Russian thistle. So Russian immigrants, they, they're they the, the reason it's here, since a lot of... Uh, Mother Russia. 
like uh, Norwegian and Eastern European uh, settlers are from the to the Midwest area, and they brought their thistle with them. Well, they didn't bring it on purpose because it's a well, nuisance. Stuck to their boots. Um, okay, so you'd imagine you have a a cornfield. Okay, we're just going to use corn as an example. Just any grain that was stuck to any, them. Anything that you would grow, right? You get a field of it. Say a. Is that like a Kansas thing? Is that is that a bad <laughs> joke? Try, you understand it because you're from Kansas. Okay, you hate me because I'm from Kansas. That's what you said, corn. No, I'm just using it as a relative example so oh. you would understand what I'm talking about. Okay, you got to talk down to me. No, <laughs> this episode's over. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, so anyways, yeah. So you would imagine any crop of tomatoes that you there would grow yeah. say a tumbleweed rolls into it okay okay it's probably going to disperse its little tiny seeds all throughout your crop area am i going to grow tomato weed you're going to grow tomatoes but there's also going to be some thistles in there right okay so then your i guess tomatoes is a bad example we should use like barley because then your big grain machine is going to come through and chew all this up and separate the seeds out of it okay and then what happens You've got thistle seeds mixed up in your grain. Okay. Okay, so then when you bring your sack of seeds with you whenever you immigrate to the Midwest and you're going to grow whatever plants you're going to try and grow, all of a sudden there's thistle mixed in there with it. It's the same thing kind of when you buy a bag of grass seed, you know? They say that it's like... There's some weeds in there Yeah, there's like 90% weed-free, where there's 10% some dandelion in there. And dandelion's already took its hold on the U.S. Mm -hmm. That's also an invasive species. If you didn't know that. I did. Um, But anyways, so yeah. And then, of course, it just went rampant. Today, it covers, it's spread to over 100 million square miles. I'm sorry. What did I say? 100 million square miles? Yeah. False. 100 million acres. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. I knew that was a crazy sounding stat. Like 100 million miles? Whoa. Yeah. 100 million acres across the U.S. (laughs) Okay. Um, And still spreading. You basically can't stop it because it just grows. It spruits its little things, and then Still it's spreading. and then it whips its way across the landscape. See, I mean, it was around in the eighteen hundreds in the old west days. Mm-hmm. You know, like the gold it, rush. It was eighteen seventy three when the Russian immigrants started bringing their stuff to the Midwest and out west, and that's when Russian thistle. So during the gold rush invaded. to California and the what was that? What what year was that? Yeah, it's about the same time. 1800s was the gold when rush? Pe- when people were headed west, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, invasive, and so it So one of the like most crazy. iconic things about Western movies and Western culture is the tumbleweed. It's Ruski. It was brought here by the Russians. <laughs> How cool is that? Cor- uh, collusion. Everybody, have you heard? So Noah Crowley, a teenager enrolled in... Mr. Crowley! <laughs> A teenager enrolled at Riverview High School in Sarasota, Florida, is under fire today because of the incredibly stupid way he asked his girlfriend to go to prom with him. Mm. So before I get started, though, do you have any interesting stories on how you asked someone on a date or anything similar? Like how you asked Deanne to marry you or or was it simple? Um, Was it something cooler? I wanted to make sure everyone was there. So we invited literally like as many people as we knew basically to our christmas party at our house and deanne was a little like how the hell did everybody show up to this like (laughs) like we had everybody there like there was so many people at our house like just a rager you know and uh what was kind of funny is uh you know 
um, we were trying to wait till we got to a certain point in the night to have this game we were going to play, and then it was going to, uh, you know, the what's the game called? The um, Dirty Santa. Yeah, you know, yeah, where, yeah. Where you have the gifts you hand around, you steal each other's gifts. Of course. Basically, we were trying to get to a point where, like, I was able to steal a gift. Whenever I'd steal the gift, I'd want to steal the Anne's, whatever she had. And then when she'd be like, oh, and that was when I would be like, oh, but I have something else. Okay. All right. There (laughs) you go. There you you go. And uh, so that's what we did. And of course, there was just like, there was like 30 damn people in my house. Like, it was just ridiculous. I mean, you were there, were you not? You came by, or maybe you didn't get to come until later. I was there later. I wasn't there for the whole thing. I was there at the end of the night. But, I mean, there was too many people at my house. (laughs) What's the point? One of my buddies rode there on a mini motorcycle like it was there it was a wild night but uh i mean we got a got a little drunk that night too you know it was one of those kinds of nights <laughs> but uh it was wonderful though i mean it was a great night it was christmas it was got engaged had like literally everybody there it was awesome nice so nice reminiscing uh, well uh i try to do something that was that was cool and it's funny i came up with it very uh, off the top of my head for a friend and it was how i asked steph to marry me so uh she worked as a store manager for victoria's secret at the time and i had a lot of friends that i played basketball with on a regular basis that my wife that my you know now wife she didn't know them you know these were just guys that were my basketball friends they weren't guys that came over to the house regularly or people that she saw or me hanging out with so i was able to get one of those guys to help me out and uh long long story short i tried to trick her on her way into work okay so i was going to be hiding somewhere with uh, a box with the ring in it and then my friend was to be standing outside of her work with a sign with her name on it and he was to be giving her card, just uh, like a greeting card, right? And uh, then when she got the card, I was to sneak up behind her and be there for when she read the card and turned around. Okay. So we're I'm hi- I have my hiding spot, you know, <laughs> on a certain angle, thinking of where I know where she's going to park going to work. And she parked somewhere else because they were super busy this day. <laughs> this was like... Two days before Christmas, I want to say. Yeah. This is like the 23rd. And uh, so they were really busy. And she parks in front of the store instead of behind the store. So she starts literally walking right towards me where I'm like, Like, shit, crunched in a corner. (laughs) And my buddy is standing in front of the store with the sign, you know, just kind of, you know, looking like an idiot. The guy that stands on the corner with a flipping a sign for the, you know, cellular deal or sure. Get your mattress here. Get your mattress here, yeah. Um, so anyway, I come busting around the corner, and I just try to put my head down, and I'm like, bail, bail, bail. So we come out, and we bail. We get out of there before she sees us. <laughs> she goes into work, and I'm like, you know what? i come this far. I can't, I can't end it here. So I call the store, and I ask to speak to her boss, who I happen to know. Of course. I have yeah, this yeah. history with her. You actually yeah, know Yeah, I know her. So I'm like, listen, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm right outside. So this is about to happen. And she's freaking out like, oh, my God, oh, my God. (laughs) And Steph has no idea. So I'm like, I need you to send her outside and tell her to fix something with the window or that she's got something out there that you need her to fix. And I'll have my buddy out there waiting and I'll get him back in my hiding spot. But send Mm -hmm. her back outside in like five minutes. So I get back in place. Steph comes walking outside and my buddy's standing there with the sign. He's like, you know, are you? 
are you her? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, well, here, somebody paid me 20 bucks and asked me to give you this card. And this was before, you know, all the creeper. This was 2005, <laughs> I think. This no, was no, when the world was no, still no, innocent. Not 2005. This was, yeah, 2009. We'd been together for a while. Right. So uh, nine years ago. Anyway, before it was super creepy to do that. Nowadays, you just can't do that. <laughs> so anyway, she takes it and she opens it up and I'm able to be behind her. And it says, turn around. And I'm behind her on the ground on my knee with the box open with, you know, the ring out and all oh. that. And asked her to marry me. And all of her girls from work were standing inside the window just watching her, at, just like just screaming. A and, line of customers in the store. You know, you know, it was an outdoor shopping center. It's yeah, Turkey yeah. Creek. So you know where it was mm-hmm. and how people can park right in front of the store. So there were people that were parking because it was a busy day shopping oh, yeah. before Christmas and they saw me and my buddy getting set up. They knew something was going on. So there was literally an audience of people <laughs> that were sitting in their cars waiting for this to They're happen. Like, oh, some, some and then about to happen. As soon as it happened, we got the applause, we got the honks and, and it was all it was a movie-like moment. It was really cool that I totally came up with. I called my buddy 30 minutes before it happened i was like dude are you free i need i need to do this today (laughs) like i got the blessing from her dad i need to do this today okay so anyway this dumbass kid that was a prerequisite story prerequisite (laughs) this dumbass kid thought it would be funny i guess to write the following on a giant piece of paper and post the picture of him holding a sign online and it read this quote this is a sharp right turn, by the way. <laughs> From a story about my wife to this is a huge, like, man. Quote, if I was black, I'd be picking cotton, but I'm white, so I'm picking you for prom. Oh, my God. To what? which his girlfriend shared the sign on Snapchat and added with the heart eye emoji. Oh. This thing, needless to say, has gone viral. And this kid is receiving crazy backlash for this. Oh. Racism when I read it, is alive so, and well. That's exactly what people are saying. Of course, <laughs> and it's in a younger age and in all of that. Like, serious backlash. Hometown, at school, online. Reporters are flocking to his classmates to get their reactions to it all. And with the current climate of ra- race relations, dude's probably looking for someone who's going to say something controversial right back at him. You know? Mm-hmm. That's what they're looking for. We all know that this has much to do with the fact that this kid lives in Florida, though. It's like almost a lottery Florida. system. It's almost a lottery system down there, dude. But it's like one in five people who live there morphs into a complete and total shit show of a person. <laughs> Just from moving to Florida. You like plant your residency there and you have a 20% chance of becoming a dick face. But despite this, despite his ignorance and straight up idiocy, one thing I took away from what I read on it was this. Get ready. The younger generation isn't as racist as we might think. And it's much more tolerant of each other than adults are. When his black classmates were interviewed, they often af- they were obviously offended, but most seemed to want to discuss solutions instead of throwing hate right back at him. Well, that's good. good when for I w- them. dude, when I was a kid, me and my friends really just wanted to prove we were better than those that were a little bit older than us. Like kids these days seem as if they want to prove the worth of each other in general, and that makes me happy. Like, I feel like today they're, they are a little more in tune with the quote-unquote fragility of life due to reasons that I need not to mention. Well, ki- the kids will do two things. They will either, sev- not saying like your own ki- like raising your own kids, I'm saying like you're witnessing a kid out in public. A, a kid will either do two things, completely disappoint you because of like how 
just ignorant and failed the their parents and society have done them or totally impress you that's and what that's what kids do forever though young people have never and will never enjoy being referred to as quote unquote kids so while they are in the kid state they aren't just going to sit back and let history keep repeating itself without themselves acting a little different than the quote unquote kids before them Oh, and yeah. that's what makes me happy. The those, kids always win, man. Dude, those kids one day are going to make us very proud to be Americans. I I feel it coming. So Everybody have you heard? Funny thing about rights, they tend to only apply when you're alive. <laughs> okay. Um fight for your rights only for when you're alive. So in Largo, Florida, the uh, police detectives entered a funeral home in Clearwater. So this is Florida. Someone 20% of the people in this story are shit shows. And they attempted to unlock and degenerate. an iPhone of a man who was killed in March by another officer at a traffic stop using the deceased man's hand. I think it's starting to unravel who the degenerate is. Okay. Yeah, so he... Um, Victoria Armstrong was the fiance of the late Linus F. Phillip. Linus? Linus was okay. his name. Kind like of, from you know, Charlie Brown? Yeah, like from Charlie Brown. Okay. She told the local news that she felt disrespected and violated because the police entered the funeral home she was present at and attempted to use Phillips's corpse to unlock the device. Whoa, 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 whoa. That like, they had. Like, like they, brought, they brought his phone in there. They brought his phone. There they was opened evidence. up the coffin and they said, let me get his finger. Yes. You're kidding me. No. That and is what happened. And that's legal? Not during the funeral, but she was pres- She was at the funeral home and the police just came walking in and said, hey, open up that thing. We got to do this. You can't be serious. Very much serious. Did you hear me say at the beginning, funny thing about rights is they only apply if you're alive. They just took it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. The the fiance Victoria, she happened to be at the funeral home, like I said, in Clearwater. Well, wait, um, did that work? No, 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 it didn't work. They, they weren't able to open it. But the detective showed up with Philip's phone, and she said that they were just taken straight to Philip's corpse. Um, then they tried to unlock the phone with his with his hand, um, but the, with using the fingerprint sensor, but it didn't work because. If you're aware, iPhone sensors like if it's been more than forty eight hours, you can't use the fingerprint anyways. Like. You know, even if it hasn't been turned off or anything like that, like there's a 48 hour time frame. Okay, learn something new every day. Yeah, so if you leave your phone sitting there for a couple of days, like you won't be able to unlock it with your fingerprint. You have to put in the code. Okay. So, anyways, um, Lieutenant Randall Cheney said that it was actually an unsuccessful attempt, like I said, to access the per- and preserve the data on the phone, which was to aid in the investigation into Mr. Phillips' death and at a separate inquiry into the drugs and that involved the deceased Philip. So apparently he was maybe had drugs on him whenever he was shot. I think that was part of what they were talking about. They were trying to figure out what was his involvement and why was he trying to quote-unquote run, because apparently that's what happened. Um, he got pulled over, and he hit the gas and tried to speed away. The cop was quote-unquote drug by the car, and so then the cop, you know, reached his gun in the window and killed him. And they probably need some information off of his phone to build their case against him. Exactly. 100%. So. But since you don't have rights when you're dead, the now, like I said, they were unsuccessful in getting his fingerprint to unlock his phone to get the evidence off of it. Apparently, if you're dead, though, they can walk their ass right into the funeral home and take your fingerprints, take whatever 
you don't have the right that's to remain crazy, silent. That's crazy, dude. Because dead. think about it. If he was still alive and he was a, do that. if he was a defendant in this case, a Couldn't live defendant, there's no way. Nope. They'd walk in there and he he'd say, "Go fuck yourself." Like yeah. they're, you're not <laughs> yeah. getting my fingerprint. So in any case, the dead actually do have few legal rights, uh, especially in Florida. There, like I know you can't own like quote unquote own property when you're dead. That's why there, there's necessary. That's why like, there's a need probate. for a will. There's probate and a will and all that sort of stuff because yeah. you can't own property as a dead person. Yeah. And that's why it's so necessary to write one before you die. Um, but there are a few laws governing who may access to have a to a dead person as well in Florida. So basically, like almost anybody has access to a dead person if they just ask. Hey, that, can I that, can that, I see your dead daddy? Is that not extra creepy? That's extremely creepy. No one even called the facility to let the to let them know that the detectives were coming. They just walked in the door and said, "Hey, we're going back to check out this dead body." And the funeral home just said, "Well, okay." And then they let him in, and they were sitting there just trying to fingerprint this phone with this dead guy's hand. Wow. No laws broken. 100% legal. You don't have the right to remain silent when you're dead. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Legal by the letter of the law, but totally not right. Um, Again, like I said, it was all... Morally wrong. Um, because with increasing amounts of personal data stored on mobile Because the only reason that they need that information off of there is to clear the cop. That's exactly what they were doing. They course. need the information to clear the police. They need to build the case it. that he was running drugs and or whatever else, and yep. so that the cop that shot him gets a. Which, to be honest with you, is kind of crazy because if the guy was dragging a cop in a car, you know, behind if the car was if the police officer was being drugged behind the car, then uh, you know, well, you what, know, what, the only, what kind of you know we can we can argue these points all day, but I I always am curious. When they say they were being drugged by the car, that means that they, like, held on to the car. You know what I mean? Either like, that or they were hanging out of the car, when, like, performing part of the stop when the guy took off. Maybe. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's or what I think Or reaching into of. the car or whatever and, you know. Maybe the, yeah, you know, I just picture a guy, police officer leaning his head in a window, traffic stop, guy reaches for a gun, cop reaches in to try to stop him, guy presses the gas, mm-hmm. they're gone, you know, you know, whatever. But he wasn't reaching for a gun, he was just speeding away. Of course that he was. was. That was the, uh, that was the issue here. Yeah. He was just speeding away, and oh, the, yeah, the cop, wanna... quote-unquote, got hung up and was being drugged by the car. I don't want to pass judgment on what I, on oh, yeah, either yeah, side, course. I just think. Again, that, that's what I was trying to say, like, yeah. you know, but that's what, apparently what happened, was he was, quote-unquote, drugged, and then he shot him. But anyways... The crazy part was just the fact that you can just walk in and basically fingerprint a dead body if you want to. Um, and with I was, the, I'm glad you said fingerprint. With the increasing amounts of personal data on that's what's on your phone, the U.S. authorities have begun particularly aggressive about seeking access to them. So for over a decade, the FBI and the Department of Justice have been publicly complaining about like the encryption and demanding that like tech companies like help them crack phones. You know what I mean? Like, we talked about that before. We did. Where, we talked about it on last know, episode, I think. Where, you know, like, Apple, why don't you just allow us to open these phones? Like, give us the access to the encryption so we can give just open Give me that them. data. But apparently, also, I did not know this. Like, federal and state police have been quietly buying design, buying devices that are designed to crack phone security without needing the back doors from these tech companies. They've been, like, searching and trying to gather up this type of stuff. So that they can crack phones without needing the, the tech company's help. Hmm. Is that not crazy? It is crazy. 
They're going to be able to get in your phones. Get in your phone. In ya. In ya. It's something. Yeah, the, that was a singer, I think. In ya. Yanni? In ye. <laughs> in ye. Yeezy. So, um, what would be the uh, last sandwich that you had, my friend? Mm, man, what was um, it? Today. Yeah? Um, I tuna, had a sandwich. Tuna salad okay. with uh, romaine lettuce. Mm. It was Did delicious. Did you hear about the salmonella and romaine that was a recall. It was in a different country, but... No, did not. Don't worry about it. It wasn't mine, because I'm fine. No, you're good. <laughs> you're not shitting blood. So, uh, I had a sandwich today. Uh, two of them. You call them hot dogs. <laughs> they, were, they were delicious. Hey, hey, uh, the notorious RGB said, uh, RBG said that it was a hot dog, or it was a sandwich, so... Yeah. I'm going to stick by it. By your definition by, of a sandwich. By, yeah. My she dog. didn't say shit. She it's said, true. by your definition of a sandwich. It's a sandwich. It's a sandwich. Yeah. Bread, food, sandwich. Hey, Big Red Van listeners. I'm Levi Johnson, brother of Hayden Johnson, who I believe you're listening to right this very second. And I have a podcast about sandwiches with my good friend, Walt Braley. And I will be filling in as interim host while Joe Blackstock is off traveling through time. Yeah, Joe has gone back in time to find the first sandwich. So you can hear about those escapades in the upcoming episodes of sandwich cast so listen to us you can find us on itunes and you can follow us on instagram at, at sandwich cast pod sandwich cast sandwich cast it's in your mouth everybody have you heard on the back of my earlier hyh about internet access to rural areas i want to talk about the three country race that is currently underway for the first 5g wireless network in the world 5g 5g like like 3g then 4G, then 5G? Yes, and this race has recently been heated up with the publishing of a study by a company called Accenture that determines the first country to nail it should expect a $500 billion boost to their economy and a millions of new jobs. Now, what are we when we talk about from the jump from 4G to 5G? I'll get there. Okay, so you've got some I've got, stats for me? I got you. All right, I'll let you do your I thing. I got you, my brother. So I had to do some reading to see why 5G was such a big deal comparatively to what we now have. And the growth kind of has gone through, gone like this through generations. So 2G gave us text ability. Mm-hmm. 3G gave us internet access. Basic. It sucked. 4G you could do stuff. Added streaming video. 4G is when it was like YouTube, Netflix, all that stuff. You're good to go. And now 5G will obviously have higher speeds, but a whole new transmission system. Okay? These 5G systems will support 1,000 more devices per meter than 4G do currently. See, that was... When you went from 3G to 4G, the speed and the capability was like multiple times yeah, it, of what 3G it is. It was like 2, 5,000, you know? Yeah, it was way more. So are we saying like the jump from 4G to 5G is going to be similar? Equal to that, because it's a brand new network. Instead of using the same towers that are up, they're brand new towers, like 5G towers. Okay, Interesting. So... so um, they uses higher frequencies and multiple antenna uh, to relay signals, which can eliminate transmission inconsistencies or slowdowns, which could be caused by buildings here in the south, mountains, or any kind of roadway uh, interference. I'm talking like four-second HD movie downloads. Mm. 
Okay. Mm. So if you didn't catch that, I said they would be operating on an entirely new network system, meaning a brand new massive antenna system for internet service providers to use. Which well, 4G is already in some areas as fast as your cable internet. Correct, and you know that I mean? and like, that was the race. Your landline internet. If you knew anything about cell phone companies in America, Verizon, AT and T, all this, I'm getting to this. If you knew anything about them, the race was build the most towers. Yeah. And the funny thing Get was, the is best signal and the fastest Verizon signal out there. spent more money on building towers than AT and T did. So when all these like map commercials came out, can and you, you hear saw me now? All that red versus the AT and T, which was blue. Mm-hmm. There was more red than blue. It was because Verizon invested more money in towers than AT and T did. Mm-hmm. All that is soon to be scrapped because with this five G network. So check this out. It brings us to this race between America, China, South Korea. China has been coming on strong in recent years, but Qualcomm and Intel, which are U.S.-based companies, are still the leaders in the global 5G tech development. Okay, America is definitely behind in the quote-unquote readiness due to the fact that private providers are in charge of building this network. So all of these antennas have to be built by Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile and Sprint. Yeah, but then they they ultimately get those big old tax kickbacks for being infrastructure investments. If they get it on time. So it's built on their dime, all while China's government is funding and streamlining their systems over there because they don't want to take second again. The U.S. won the 4G race, and it boosted the GDP domestically here by $100 billion and an increase of 84% in wireless industry employment. So this 5G thing really is no joke. They're thinking about companies in data-driven industries, such as like self-driving cars, cryptocurrency, and like the blockchains that run those. Yeah, you don't. They're want more your... likely to relocate to countries with with 5G, 5G well, as opposed to. Yeah, you don't want your self-driving car to have a a poor internet connection temporarily, or to lag. <laughs> you know, you yeah, know, you yeah, want to yeah. have the most up-to-date information on everything, whether it be like you said, someone stepping out in a crosswalk, the automation. Well, that's a I guess different technology. But like think the, about the, it. Think about it. If it was on a system that was ten thousand times faster, if it was able to oh, yeah. able to notice that, hit the brakes or stop or swerve. Well, or, it's like already like um, as far as landline internet. There's like all those places across the country that use fiber optic internet. That's like, I mean, we literally can't like move molecules faster. Chattanooga, like, yeah. has the fiber optic internet. Exactly, and it's like insane how fast. Like it is. fiber optic is the speed of light. There's yep. nothing we can't move molecules faster than that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. It seems like that's what 5G will be like. And last year, the FCC created a committee to offer incentives to carriers working on developing 5G infrastructure in order to try to nudge the big four phone companies into getting those towers built. Because again, this is the next big thing. I talked about the new frontier of the people out in rural areas that need internet access. Mm-hmm. If you get to 5G... It would be a lot easier to give those people access. If the Dakotas got 5G. Everybody, have you heard? All right, this one was specially chosen for Wade. Uh Uh-oh. So, when confronted by an enemy, the Southwest Asian, throwing up some quotes here, exploding ants do exactly what their name implies. No way. They explode. So, ignored for decades, researchers have completed a detailed survey of these new, recently new discovered enigma- enigmatic ants. 
discovering over a dozen species that fit into a group, including one that's completely new to science. So they were able to make a new discovery when they brought all this back up. So this ant just explodes? It blows itself up? I'm going to get to that. I mean, it's it's a pretty cool... It's like a suicide bomber ant? Yeah, pretty much. That's it. So... Ants are, of course, capable of amazing, they do pay attention. amazing proto-social behaviors. You like that word? I, I do. I was really excited about to get and use the word proto-social. Okay, what does it mean? Like social behaviors, but prototypical. Pro- proto, as in meaning um, early stages of complex social behaviors. Got it. Proto-social, um, such as creating bridges, life rafts. You know, out of their bodies, like we talked about the fire ants Dude, in Texas. Ants are crazy ingen- yes. ingenuitive. Yes, whatever. they are ingenuity um, in an ant. But like creating rafts out of their bodies, like the fire ants in Texas, like we talked about when, of course, um, like bombs. Yeah. So whenever they eventually get back to land, they're like, and they turn into a massive death. Yep. Um, like collecting their wounded from battle they collect their wounded every time i kill them i see them go after and drag them off yeah um watch yeah collecting their wounded from battlefield and even administering medical care to each other of course i've seen the same thing yeah this is this is i'm glad you picked this is for me yes it is this is for me so but in terms of self-sacrifice those of you that might know i am the genghis khan of of ant ant killers yes so I've seen a lot of them tend to their wounded in battle, <laughs> and they do this. They they when they pass each other when they're in a line they like touch noses, and it's like they're communicating it's to like each pheromones. other. Yeah, like don't go this way, don't go this way. If I step on them while they're in a line, it's like they automatically scatter. Like they know <laughs> that I've watched ants as much as I've killed them. But in terms of self sacrifice, there's nothing quite like this species of ants, which they live in trees. And they're dubbed exploding ants. And like I said before, they live in Southeast Asia. Um, And they basically have members of their colony that are willing to give up their lives to protect the colony. Wow. Confronted by a threat such as a predatory other insect, like something that eats ants. Or a wade. Or a wade. A minor worker ant can deliberately rupture its abdominal wall. And the ant doesn't like quite literally explode, explode, but it you know it pops it's it's body you know it it's it pops <laughs> you know it it's can an explode ant. itself yeah. um but the desperate measure causes a sticky and toxic liquid to pour out of its bloated glands and it's like super toxic like basically if anything touches it it's poison it will kill you humans too uh it didn't this article didn't say of humans touching i'm, I'm sure it's not good for me there's plenty Cause if it's in trees i could see them dropping out of a tree and landing on somebody's head and there are plenty of hair. there are plenty of ants out there that are poisonous enough to kill humans so i wouldn't doubt for sure okay it's a possibility especially if there was a whole bunch of them but uh but by deploring it's like this chemical warfare if you will the ant does its part to protect its colony so scientists call this auto Thysis, which is a suicidal behavior that has also also been documented in some termites, but it's indeed kind of like uh, you know, like in uh, Star Trek, you know, the Borg. You know, the, no, I don't. Oh, wait, you just let me down, dude. How can you ask me if I know a Star Trek reference? You the know Borg, the you know, no? like you know, resistance is futile. The robot things. Oh my god, I've never, never heard mind. those. I've heard Luke. But I am your father. They're famous from Star Trek for being a collective-minded. See, I'm even thinking Star Wars. I'm even thinking Star Trek. I'm sorry. Uh, well, 
That was a bad reference for you, so I'm sorry. Terrible. Maybe our listeners out there will get what I'm talking about. But a lot more than me. Ants are a Borg-like um, society. So as in, like, they're a hive mind, if you will. So, like, they make, like, hive decisions. Of course. So one unit out of the hive is not as important as the whole hive. Of course not. Right? So that's where this, you know, <clears throat> like, an most species out there individualism is important so like even a mother deer will leave its baby deer if it means mother deer will survive okay right like if a wolf is coming they're both gonna run if it gets the baby deer mama deer's like well that sucks i lost my baby but i can make another one sure no most of your species across the whole earth no none of them sacrifice themselves for someone else Right? The majority of them, right. The majority of them. Okay. Except for certain species of ants and a couple termites. But just the fact that most species seek to preserve their own life and proliferate their genes, ants and termites work on the behalf of the entire colony. So the loss of the individual, while it's not really a big deal, is secondary to the needs of the whole collective, which is why they're referred to as a super organism. I thought that was really cool. Like, ants aren't... Ants are technically classified as a one organism, almost like uh, like, like skin, like fungus. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. you know, it's many, 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 many cells, but it's really just one thing. So, like an ant hive is really just a one thing. Ants um, are the scourge, and <laughs> they will uh, they will take over the world one day if if given the proper size and opportunity. Speaking of having the right size and opportunity, what do you think is the only other major classified superorganism on the planet. Superorganism. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, ants and um, man, I don't know. I'm going to blow your mind here. Okay. Humans. Okay. Humans are also the only other uh, animal on the earth that exhibit many superorganism-like qualities. Maybe that's why I dominate them. <laughs> um, scientists have known about these exploding ants for over 100 years. But several species were documented during the first half of the 20th century, and this new species was discovered was called um, Colobsis cylandrica. And it was, strangely, like, the whole point of this expedition was that nobody had ex- had discovered a new ant that was this exploding ant type since, like, 1935. And so the scientists were at the, uh, what is it, the Natural History Museum of Vienna, and the Technical University of Vienna got to get of Vienna got together, and they were like, "Nobody's discovered another exploding ant since 1935." Let's go look for an exploding. Let's ant. go look for an exploding ant. That's exactly what mm-hmm. went down. And so they uh, they went oh, looking. Found one. They went looking, and of course, what happens when you go to the jungle looking for a new species of bug? You go into South Asia jungle, you're going to find a new species of bug. You're going to find a new species of bug. Of course. Correct. And a new flower, probably. Like it's, dude. That's one of the things that blows my mind. A new disease. Like, and uh, what are they called? The bu- uh, bugologists, entomologists, entomologists. I think that. Yeah, that's it. Like, dude, they can literally go to like the Amazon and get a big net and put it underneath a tree, and then like beat on that tree or cut that tree down or however they use to access the bugs in it. And get all the bugs to fall into this net and gather them up, and they'll probably discover like a hundred new species of bugs. Hey, found a new bug. 
like like a hundred new species. What's that? We're gonna call that the uh, that's the Craig bug. <laughs> that's the Craig bug. <laughs> but is that not crazy, dude? Mm-hmm. Like literally every expedition of Samaya, the entomologist goes to the jungle, almost always comes back with new species if they come back. <laughs> if they don't die of some like uh, mosquito that's the size of your forearm stabbing you in the rib cage, stealing your heart. So you know, in 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 this species of ant, there was other members of the colony that like took really cool positions there was one um like worker ants like there was a certain one that they dubbed the doorkeeper and it was one version of the ant in the colony that had a really big fat wide flat head and basically what it would do is it was called the doorkeeper so if anybody was trying to invade the colony the doorkeepers would all bunch up together and make a wall blocking the door with their head to the entrance of the colony by clogging up the door more effectively than the other ants could. Yeah, see, and that's where my superorganism skills kick in, and I pour gasoline on the bitch <laughs> and light a match. Well, you know, we are. That's why you superorganisms take over their environments, right? And superorganism over superorganism. And but that's the thing is a superorganism also has hive-like mentality. Like, is it not true that humans also have? accepted levels of sacrifice in order to achieve goals 100 percent. and i stand by my earlier statement where i said given size and opportunity ants would take over the world ants would beat the shit out of us and what do you think we did and took over the world ants would take but if we are the two that you ants had nuclear weapons (laughs) yeah I mean, seriously, if ants were like us with their work ethic, I mean, good God, those guys would put us to shame, put Um, us to shame. They also discovered a cool um, something from another species of exploding ants that also have uh, the flying capability. So flying exploding ants. But of course, as super interesting as they sound, there's still like loads worth of research still to be done on these on these insects. This new paper that they just wrote, but it does set the groundwork for future research, including studies of their behavior, chemical profile, microbiology, anatomy, and the evolution of them. But um, whenever I saw exploding ants, I was like, I have to tell this to Wade. There's no question. I have put some time in with some ants. (laughs) And not, not every time that I am around ants am I, you know, massacring ants. But sometimes I just stand around and watch them. I honestly, I like, if I ever see a jig, big giant pile of ants on like a, in like a clover patch, I don't just go over and step on them. Mm-hmm. I go stand over the top of them and watch them for five minutes. And I, <laughs> honestly, I see what they're doing. And that's how I notice that when they're walking in a line, big giant line, they like touch noses and then keep moving. Mm-hmm. Not every one of them, but it's almost like... There's a, just a few of them. Pheromones being spread everywhere. Just letting each other know. And then I, I've done little experiments of pouring some Mountain Dew on them and seeing if that freaks them out or see if they flock to it because of the sugars and stuff in it. And I've, I've done so many different things with ants that lead to pouring gasoline on them <laughs> and lighting the mat, the ground on fire. But it, I, I could, we could talk all day for ants, man. They, like, I stand behind it a third time where I believe if they were our size with their current skills versus, versus our current skills, they could really cause us some huge problems. Okay. I have to say this one last thing. It's awesome. Okay. Before we move on. So I was watching on Netflix the, uh, I think it's called the, um, 
the Lost Worlds of India or something like that. It's one of the like trending now things right now. But anyways, they are maybe talking, that's why it's trending. Talk about all the different wildlife and cool environments of India. It was just a cool nature documentary. Okay. All right. So they start talking about this one particular ant called the weaver ant. Also lives in trees. Okay. Kind of like what we're talking about, the exploding ants. That make a net or like a web? They they basically take leaves and they weave them together. Okay. Okay. But the way they do it is a whole bunch of the ants grab onto the leaf and then they grab onto the, the legs of the other ant near them and they make a chain and they pull these two leaves together and then this is the crazy part. They go and get their larva out of the nest, okay? And so what a larva, larvae, larvae? How do you say it in plural? That's, larvas? No, it's not larvas. <laughs> larvae? Larvae? Whatever the word is, they, uh, just like all other larvae of almost every other insect, produces a silk to, to wrap its body in, right? That's larvae. Larvae. So does that silk, like, stick to the leaves? Yes. No. So what they do is quite literally a worker ant, like worker weaver ant, will be holding a baby larva ant in its jaws with its little larva butt sticking outward, and they sit there and massage and squeeze the baby larva ant with its jaws, producing the silk to come out of its little behind, and they sit there and weave the two pieces of leaves together. Wow. Wow is right. Like, Dude, all you have to do is take a look at the colonies. The colonies that they build underground, and wow will pop to your mind. If, if you could see the intricacies of their tunnels and their planning ability, this is why I murder them. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, if they get into my house with that, that like combat ability, there's no way that I can, I can counter that. What so, is what is the what is the uh, the number like for every human? There's like one billion ants or something like that. It's got to be that. That's why my count is still nothing, <laughs> because I swear that Only obviously a ripple in the pond. I'm I'm like six trillion to zero, right? Because I'm still here and like <laughs> I'm six trillion and zero when it comes to ants in my life, and I'm proud of this and. Uh, but there's some that explode out there to Haven't, uh, kill other things. Bucket list. Oh, right there. and one thing I thought was really neat was like when they were researching and observing these ants. Like, of course, there's uh, scientists out there in the jungle with like their cameras and video cameras trying to document these these ants doing what they do in nature. And it was like when they would get too close, and the ants would realize that there was people in their area. Like ants would start popping. Like, they would just all start, like, all these defensive ants would just, you know, just, like, popping, and all their little poisons would start running out. Like, just because the researchers were getting too close to the hive. I'm telling you, dude, ants are the, they're bad. Bad Isn't news. Isn't just wild? Yeah, stay away from some ants. If you, if you have an ant problem, give me a call. Everybody have you heard? So, last episode... We took a trip inside prison walls with our guest, Jared Ernzen, and talked about the time that he got to tour Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary. He briefly talked about the Birdman of Alcatraz, right? First spent time in Leavenworth. Birdman! Before being being transferred to Alcatraz. Um, And then he talked about the group of guys that were last reported to have, um, quote-unquote, attempted to have escaped back in 1962 from Alcatraz. 
but were never found. Yeah. Those, so, the guys <clears throat> that, uh, there was like a Mythbusters episode about, uh, just like how they would have had to have done it. So here's a quick refresh. About six months before the escape attempt, four prisoners began plotting the breakout. Using found or stolen materials, including a broken vacuum cleaner motor, which was used to make a workable drill of some sort. Slowly, each man drilled small holes around air vents towards the backs of their cells. Then they were able to punch out a portion of the wall, just big big enough for them to wiggle through it. For weeks, they used the air vents to access an empty corridor, which they used that was like a secret workshop Mm -hmm. to build their tools for their escape equipment, right? Which was like rain jackets glued into... 50 raincoats fashioned into makeshift life preservers Mm -hmm. and a 6 foot by 14 foot rubber raft, building wooden paddles and turning an instrument into a tool that can inflate the raft. So they took like a flute or something or clarinet and turned it into a inflatable device to inflate the the raft climbed up a network of pipes to the top of the ventilator shaft and pried that open putting them on the prison roof guards still thought they were asleep in their beds because of the dummy heads that they used in their cells and i believe the fbi and prison stance today is that they drowned and never got off of the island that's the that's the running theory so all that said frank morris Clarence and John Anglin had never been heard from since until this year. <clears throat> no way. Well, 2013, really. Okay, okay. The FBI heard from him in 2013, just uh, recently released the letter that was sent to them so in now 2013. It's the FBI received a letter from a man claiming to be John Anglin, one of the three who escaped and was never found. He said he was currently 83 years old. And he's in very rough shape from cancer. Said to the FBI he would trade a year in prison for help with cancer treatments. If they reply to his letter, he'll write another disclosing his location. It's a fascinating thing that you should look up for what? sure. What? Yeah. Can you do that in a in a in a prosecution? Like, can you barter with your sentence so, with a case that's fifty six years old? But can you do that? Like, is that a thing? Why not? Can you write that up and sign it and be like, as long as I turn myself in, you'll only give me a year? Yeah. That can be part of a plea deal. I mean, a plea deal can be anything. You can plead to anything. That's insane. Yeah. I'll give myself like if up. Keep, if you'll keep me from dying, I'll go to jail for a year. Yeah. FBI officials, like their stance on it now is that they can't confirm that the letter is actually from the true John Anglin. And if it was, it'd be freaking amazing to hear the story Respond. that would come from. But Whatever. No, they said that they had handwriting analysts take a look at it, and their official stance is that it they couldn't determine that it was from him. They wouldn't say that it wasn't. Was it a confirm or deny kind of confirm stance? Confirm or deny. Can, cannot confirm nor deny kind of stance, yeah. I would say answer and say, if you're him, totally, and then... If it ain't him, because I'm sure they have DNA. In the letter, it talks about how one of the guys died in 2008, and then one of the guys died in 2011, and that they were all they all lived into later life. They escaped in '62. Wow! And they all lived 50 years past that. Wow! You know, and recently passed away. Very, very touch and go in uh, communication with their family members. Obviously, couldn't go live with their family. Couldn't go see their family. Because they'd been found by the authorities. Had to live the circus life. Had to live the circus life. Like a carny. 
That's crazy, man. Yeah, dude. Um, and Jared was talking about that last episode. He literally talked about that. Talked about Alcatraz. And then that, that article, I think the article came out in like January or February, something like that. And somehow it slipped through my, my grasps. Hmm. Looking for it. But um, if you have any interest in prisons, go read about these guys. And watch Escape from Alcatraz starring Clint Eastwood. What did, it's a uh, really good movie that actually really he, he goes through all the same stuff because the FBI's statement is all of that information I went over. The FBI knows that they drilled through the walls. The FBI knows they use that corridor as a workshop. Like all of those things they oh, know yeah, yeah, as yeah. fact. Like I like, said, watch that Mythbusters episode. They go through everything you just said, like and try and replicate the circumstance and go for it. And they do that. They like make a rubber raft and they pretty much. I don't think they say busted. They say plausible that right. they lived, because it, the the only thing that was the struggle was the uh, the current, the current unpredictable current. Yeah. Because even when they did the episode, they may not have gotten the same current those guys got that night. Exactly, totally unpredictable. It's very, it's a like a riptide style current where Correct. like like you even if you could paddle as fast as you could across the 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 harbor or whatever. Like, the current's going to whip you out into the ocean. Think about how genius these guys were, though. The oh, in, dude, yeah. The ingenuity of these guys to be able to use those things, the resourceful, whatever adjective you want to use, but these guys taking um, rubber raincoats mm-hmm. and turning them into a boat. And, like, craft glue from... I forget what part of the, the prison they were able to get craft glue. so They, they could, made a so bolt they could make, out of soap. I mean, they did so many different things. Yeah, like t- they glued those raincoats together, like the seams, so that they could inflate Vulcan- them. They vulcanized it, is what it's called, with the steams, the the pipes, the steam from the yeah, pipes in the that's prison. That's what it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that's what it was called, Vulcan vulcanization. Yeah, you heat it up and it hardens the. They together. they've read about it in a magazine that they had in like the prison yard or something that they gave the oh, the wow. prisoners, and they learned it from there. And uh, these guys were just hell-bent on getting off of that damn island. And then how funny is it that, like, two years later, Alcatraz gets shut down for good? Like well, it, somebody escapes. It's it was no purchased, longer ultimate maximum security. It was purchased by the Justice Department in, like, the mid-30s, I want to say. Like, 33, 34, 35. And then, so it was open for, like, 30 years, and it was shut down. But it was originally, like, a, a spot where Union... Um, people that were against the union or were sympathizers for the confederacy and like from 1850 on to 1930s people were sent to alcatraz hmm. it was all wow. civil war based well if you were sean connery you could get out of alcatraz of course <laughs> uh, alcatraz is uh really cool though uh i always think of uh phil hartman you ever seen the movie so i married an axe murderer Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They it's been are, a long time, though. They, too, are Alcatraz, and Phil Hartman is the guy that walks him through there. And he talks about the guy that uh, takes it, gets a shiv. Uh, anyway, it's a really man, funny I, scene. I think I've only seen that movie maybe twice in my whole life, and it's been like eight years. So, anyway, hopefully we taught you something that you didn't know. Some, uh, some little-known shit. We know that we have listeners of all different types that uh, maybe aren't into prison stuff, maybe aren't into... Uh, kids saying racist shit on prom posters but uh maybe you learned something and hopefully one and a half hours in hayden this was a good one we finished a and t bottle 
I enjoyed that one, my friend. Cheers. Yeah, cheers, props. And uh, thank you for joining Skull. us, everybody. Skull. We're going to catch you on the next one.